Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at www.cwcsj.org for service times and directions. Proverbs chapter 19, we're going to start reading in verse 21. If you're there, say amen. Listen to this. It says, you can make many plans, but the Lord's purposes will prevail. You can make many plans, but the Lord's purposes will prevail. Pray with me now. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. You can make all kinds of plans and put things together, but God's purposes are the things that will be brought to flourishing. In fact, when we talk about purpose, we got to first define what purpose is. And so in the most simplistic form that I could put it, purpose is the original intent of a thing. The original intent of a thing. And so when we talk about your purpose, we go back to the very purpose or the original idea God had in mind when he formed you and when he created you. And so I need you to recognize that Miles Monroe one time made this statement. The greatest tragedy of life is not death, but life without purpose. The greatest tragedy in life is not death, but life without purpose. I I can't tell you the countless funerals that I've done. And the most tragic funerals that I've done are usually the death, whether it's from, from, from a violent act or from a car accident or something that was out of our control that takes the life of a young person. There's never more crying than there is when there's a 16-year-old kid that is killed senselessly because of gang violence. There is nothing more tragic than a child getting run over by a car. And when these things happen, or, 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 or even when a child is abducted and then their body is found later on, why? Not only are we upset about the fact that this, this senseless violence has taken place, but in the funerals that I've been to, the thing that drives us crazy is the fact that all their potential has been lost. They're never going to know what it is to, to, to have a child. Never going to know what it is to walk down the aisle. Never going to know the, the pleasure of owning a house or driving that car. All their potential has been taken from them. The richest place, according to Dr. Monroe, is not the oil wells of Saudi Arabia. It's not the gold mines of South Africa. It's not even the... It's not even the, the uh, The gold mines in Alaska, the greatest and most valuable place are the graveyards throughout the world. Because it's in the graveyards that we have unwritten books, unsung songs, unacted plays, unfound cures. We find things that have been buried there because people didn't live a life with purpose. And as I shared what I was going to preach on this morning on, on, on Twitter, I got an email from a young man that, that got a hold of me that I've known for years, about 43 years old. And he just tragically said, Pastor, how do I find out my purpose? If he lives to be 86 years old, he's at the halfway point of his life, and he's asking at the halfway point, why am I here? 43 years of just wandering. 
See, the difference between, they say, a light bulb and a laser is focus. It's the ability to take that energy and focus it. A light bulb that gives light is one thing, but a light, a light that is a laser has the ability to cut through metal because it has focus. And when we live our lives not diffused, but we live it focused, we can begin to cut through anything that tries to stand in our way. All we need is focus, purpose. And so with that in mind this morning, I need you to understand that life without purpose becomes motion without progress. How many of you know, know what I'm talking about? We get, we're so busy, but that at the end of the day, we don't feel fulfilled. We just feel tired. How many know what I'm talking about? You work hard. You're, you're working hard. You got money in the bank or you're paying bills and you're doing all these things. You're working. Your calendar is filled with things you got to do. And when you get done with it all, at the end of the day, you don't feel like, man, I feel fulfilled. I feel like I accomplished my purpose. You don't feel anything. All you feel is tired. It's not the way life is supposed to be. You are created for more than that. But I got good news for you, is that the beauty of God is that our ignorance or our past cannot cancel God's purpose for your life. Oh, come on, you can do better than that. Someone's got to grab a hold of this this morning. See, even if I don't know what my purpose is, even if I've messed up so many times in my past, God's intent for your life is not wiped out because I don't know the purpose or because I've blown it. God's purposes still stand. We read the scripture, his purposes prevail. His purposes prevail. Everyone say that with me. His purposes prevail. Say it again. His purpose prevails. So I need you to recognize something. As I'll go, go to uh, the scripture in Proverbs 29, verse 18. You've seen this over and over. And I got three different versions on there. We went over this a couple weeks ago. But Ver King James Version says this, where there is no vision, the people perish. How many have ever heard that before? NIV puts it this way, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. You don't have a vision for your, for your relationship, for your marriage, then other, other women or other men are going to get your, get your attention. But when you have a vision for it, now all of a sudden, I'm going to be restrained from what going after to the left or to the right. If my vision is to get out of debt, then I'm focused in on getting out of debt, and those, those sales or Black Friday or Cyber Monday isn't going to get me off track. See, you want to get out of debt. You just don't have a vision to get out of debt. A want, a desire, and a vision are two different things. Desire is something you hope for. Vision is something you work towards. Let me explain this a bit more as we go on. Vision is purpose. Vision keeps you focused, helps you stay in your lanes, helps you stay on track. See, God always starts with the end in mind, folks. See, the fact that you're here is proof positive God needed something done that only you could do. Let me try this side. Maybe you guys are a bit more spiritual this morning. Okay? He's clapping before we even said it. You know, I'm, I like you, bro. I'm going to have you sit a little closer to the front. Okay? I need that encouragement. Come on up. God bless you, man. 
The fact that you're here is proof positive that God created you for a purpose. He had something in mind when he created you. Amen? There's a reason you're here. There's a, not here at CWC. There's a reason you're here on earth. God had a purpose for you. See, your parents may not have planned you, but God did. And so I need you to recognize that if God always starts with the end in mind, we as human beings, we've been going over five questions. Last, a couple weeks ago, the first question we went over was this, is who am I? That's a question of identity. We're always trying to figure out oh, who am I. We see marriages break up when a man or a woman is trying to find themselves. We're trying to figure out who I am. Satan's first attack upon humanity was on our identity. If you take of the fruit, then you'll be like God. They had lost the fact that they were already like God. They were created in his image. And see, when you don't know who you are, all of a sudden you have to start trying to compensate. When we don't know who we are, we put other people on. See, God, you were not just made by God, you were made of God. God poured himself into you when he created you. See, your purpose, I need you to understand this this morning. Your purpose is connected to your creator. You will never figure out what your purpose is in life unless you stay connected to your creator. I'm talking from everyone from the very back of the church to the front of the church to the left to the right that you will never find your purpose apart from your creator. Your purpose is connected to your creator. Why? Because it's through the mind of the inventor that you find out what the invention's for. You know, I, 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 I like these home improvement shows. I love those kind of things. I'm not the most handiest person in the world, but I, I love these, these home improvement. And one of the shows I watch a lot is This Old House. And they have a segment on This Old House where they have all these different tools that are sitting there. And they, they, they're different. They're not your traditional screwdriver, hammer. They're weird-looking tools. And they have a segment where these guys will each take that thing and they'll come up with an idea of what it's for. And so they'll take this tool and they'll look at it and they'll all make these, these assumptions of what the tool... And all of them, based on how it looks, sounds right. But yeah, I guess I could see that. But it's not until it gets to the expert in that field that says, no, this tool here is for XYZ. And when they tell you what it's for and they show you the application, it makes a difficult job easy. When you don't know your purpose, you don't know what you were created for. Like a, like a knife trying to be a screwdriver, you might get the job done, but you're not going to be very effective at it. we got to find out why God created us. What's the purpose for our life? And you won't find that apart from your creator. Second question was this, and I appreciate the amens here. You're helping me this morning. I'm on a turkey, little, little turkey uh, hangover this morning. Second question is, where am I from? Where am I from? And this is not a question of ethnicity. It's not about Latin pride or black pride or Samoan pride or Tongan pride. It's not about white power. It's all about, this has nothing to do with ethnicity. When I ask, where am I from? It's a question of heritage, not ethnicity. What am I saying? Your, your parents may have created you in the back seat of that 57 Chevy. Or the Impala. 
and for some of you country folks in the back of the pickup. <laughs> Regardless of who your earthly father is, he is not your originator. Your origin is not from your earthly father, but your heavenly father. You were not created by your earthly father. You were created in the mind of God first and then produced through your earthly parents. There's no such thing as an accident on earth when it comes to children. You need to understand that. There's no such thing as an accident. Every child conceived, whether planned or not, was from the very mind of God. He may not have caused it to happen, but he will redeem what takes place. Let, let me explain this a bit more, okay? See, what I, I need you to understand is this, is that because if Cisco's my father, I am limited to the resources, talents, and abilities that Cisco has. When God's my father, I get and I'm limited to the resources my heavenly father has, his abilities, and his talents. Are you catching this? Well, you know, if I was just born in another family, I'd have better results. You know what? Get off that junk. Forget the fact of what side of the track you were born on. I know some kids that were born with silver spoons in their mouth that are all jacked up. Yeah. It's not where you're born. It's recognizing who you belong to. Yeah. Right. What daddy gets, I get. What daddy has, I have. When you recognize who your source is. See, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. Didn't say that God's mess up. You are God's masterpiece. Look at your neighbor, tell him, you don't know who you're sitting next to. Tell the other person, I'm a masterpiece. Don't tell me, tell the person next to you. For we are God's masterpiece that he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we could do the good things. Everyone say good things. That he planned for us long ago. God had a plan for good things out of your life. If you're going through some junk right now, that's not God's plan. His plan for you is good things. Oh, come on, somebody give God praise. Oh, come on, you could do better than that. Someone got to recognize... God created you for good things. Created you for good things this morning. Third question, what we're going to get to this morning is simply this. Check this out. Why am I here? Look at your neighbor and ask him, why am I here? Some of you try to figure that out right now. Why am I here? I'm not just talking about Christian Worship Center. We're talking about on earth. That's the question of purpose. In other words, what's my purpose? When you find your purpose, you'll find your potential. When you discover your purpose, you'll discover your potential. Let, let me, let me uh, take, it, take you somewhere right now. You with me? Look, look at Genesis chapter, thank you, Cisco. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Cisco came over to my house for Thanksgiving. That's why he's thankful right now. Why are you saying amen? <laughs> he's, wait, he's waiting for another invite. <laughs> 
Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. When you're there, say amen. amen. Then God blessed them and said, how many of you know God blesses you? God's purpose isn't to curse you, but to bless you. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful. Everyone say fruitful. fruitful. And multiply. Wherever it's bolded, go ahead and say it. The earth and over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Notice, this is our purpose. You want to know why you were created? Verse 28 of Genesis tells us, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it and reign. Come on, somebody. Amen. And reign. See, how many, how many parents do we have here? You had, you had little kids at one time. They're adults, but they were little at one time. Or, Okay. Kids get to a certain age between three or four years old where they get into the What's that for? Period. It's what I call the what's that for principle. If you ever notice a little kid, they're always asking, what's that for? What's that for? What's that for? And then you tell them, why? Why? But why? What's that for? It's a car. What's that for? It's a car. We get in it and we drive. It takes us. Why? Because we got to go to the store. Why? Because there's things at the store that we need. Why? Because there's groceries that you're eating and that we need to make sure we get. But why? Because that's where the grocery store is at. But why? It's because that's where everyone goes to get them. But why? Because you, they, they, otherwise it would be in the middle of the street. But why? And the, all they're doing is that. And then it gets to the point where you get so frustrated because they keep asking why. It's just, just because. That's just the way it is. <laughs> Who puts it in a child to ask, what's that for? What, what place is in a child to ask why? From the moment that they're children, God placed purpose in them. And because they know that they have purpose, they think everything else should have a purpose as well. And so when they see things that they don't understand, they begin to ask, what's that for? What, why? What's that for? What, what does that do? What's the purpose of it? Because everything has a purpose. Have you ever noticed when kids are playing, not one kid says when they're playing, they all act, well, I'm Batman. I'm Superman. No, I'm Robin. No, 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 no. I'm Wolverine. No, I'm this. And they're all arguing as who. Not one time do you hear one say, you know what? I'm the drug addict. I'm the prostitute. I'm on welfare. Have you ever seen that with the kid? Now, if you're in that situation, I'm not putting you down. I'm trying to get you to understand something. Why? Because in us, from the moment that we're kids, is this idea that we were created for greatness. We have this thing in us that I'm supposed to be great. And when we start dreaming, it's not until then that our parents start telling us, stop. As you get older, no, you're not a superhero. You can't fly. You can't do anything. 
And all of a sudden, the kid that thought he could conquer the world now begins to settle like mom and dad did. And they stop asking, what's that for? Stop asking why. Because life doesn't have a purpose. I want you to notice that Adam had an assignment. What was that assignment? To be fruitful and multiply, to fill and to govern and to reign. Let let me let you know something, folks. CWC, right now, those listening on our podcast as well, I need you to recognize something very simply. That hasn't changed. God still expects you to be fruitful and multiply. God still wants you right now to fill and to govern. And God still expects you to reign. See, I need you to recognize fruitfulness is important to God. God expects your your purpose is to be fruitful. Your purpose is to multiply. Your purpose is to fill the earth. Your purpose is to subdue it. And so I need you to understand that fruitfulness is important to God. Why? Everything God created, he created it with the seeds in it to reproduce. Everything reproduces according to its kind. Take a look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 11 and 12, verse 20 uh, through 22, and verses 24 to 25. God placed seeds in everything to reproduce. In fact, let me put it this way to you, okay? You still with me? How about this side? Are you guys still with me right now? Are you sure? You still here right now? I want you to recognize something. Check this out. When God wanted a man, he never went back to the dirt. He only created a man from the dirt once. When God wanted another tree, he never created another tree out of nothing. When he wanted another bird, he never created another bird out of nothing. Follow me on this. When he wanted a fish, he never just created another fish out of nothing. Why? Because God created seed inside everything he created to reproduce according to its kind. Follow me. So what I'm saying is this. God had already established principles for multiplication. So he never recreated a man out of dirt because he had already placed another man inside of Adam. Oh, you ain't catching this. He called out of Adam a woman, a man with a womb. And together they were able to replicate or reproduce and bring another man into the world. Everything they needed, if they wanted growth, they didn't sit there and God, we're praying, God, we're asking, God, send another another human being. God said, no, I've already given you everything you need inside of you to bring it out. God never went back to the ground in order to create another man. Why? Because the principle was already in place. So what am I telling you this morning? I need you to recognize this is not referring to procreation. It's referring to replication. What are you talking about, Pastor? It's not about just having kids. Multiplication or being fruitful isn't just about having children. If it was, Cisco, you'd be doing a great job. Hey, uh, Governor, you don't have to explain my jokes, bro. Turning around and telling him he has 80 kids doesn't help, okay? 
doesn't do anything for him. It doesn't do anything for the people around us. Okay? It's not politically correct. If you have to explain my jokes, they don't work, okay? <laughs> We're going to get to the replication part in a moment, okay? I'm going to come back to that. But what I'm telling you is this. Everything God created, he created with the ability to do it. God creates everything with the ability to achieve its purpose. What, what am I saying? God placed the ability of flight in a bird. The ability to swim in a fish. He placed the, the ability to grow in dirt in a plant. God placed these abilities inside them. And so when God tells you to be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and to reign, he has to have given us the ability to do those things. He, he doesn't create a bird that's afraid of heights. Or gets an upset stomach when it's going all over the place. He doesn't create a fish that can't breathe underwater. Fish would swim a little while and then go back under. It wouldn't work. But when God tells a fish, every one of them, he told it to dominate their environment. The fish, the birds, and so forth. To dominate their environment. And he gave them the ability to do so. God would never command you to do something that you don't have it in you to accomplish. Oh, come on, that's good right there. So what did God give us? I want you to take a look at this. If you have your Bible, the, the scripture's not on the screen. I forgot to put that one on my notes. But the good thing is it's on page one of your Bible. Genesis chapter one. See, page one. Tell them. Verse 26. For those of you that have your iPhone applications and iPads and Androids and you're checking scores instead of the scripture, shame on you. May your phone lock up on you. Want to explain that one? Stop pointing back, bro. How come every time I say something, you turn around looking at somebody? Aren't you up here to keep an eye on me? To help me? I'll take that usher badge away. Everyone just stretch your hands out towards the governor right now. <laughs> Verse 26 of chapter 1 of the book of Genesis. Listen, then God said, after God created, remember God creates everything by, by the spoken word. Then God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness, according to our pattern and our personality. Okay? You were created after the pattern and the personality of God. Then he says this. Notice what he says. And let them have dominion. Let them have dominion. In fact, this section right here, on the count of three, I just want you to say dominion. I want you to get, get comfortable with this word. Ready? In fact, all the way up to this side right here. Ready? One, two, three. Dominion. Oh, come on. Say it like you mean it. We got some big old boys back there. And that's dominion. Come on, guys. Ready? One, two, three. Dominion. Oh, that's a little, little better. How about the middle section? Ready? One, two, three. Dominion. It's all right. It's all right. Ready? One, two, three. Dominion. Sorry, DJ, no matter how much you were cheerleading, it didn't come out very strong. <laughs> On the count of three, I just want to hear everyone say it. Ready? One, two, three. Dominion. I need you to recognize you, God gave you dominion. What's dominion? 
Dominion is this. It's sovereignty, royal power, and also the Greek uh, translates it when, when you have the, the Old Testament written in Greek, which is referred to as a Septuagint. It refers to dominion as kingdom. Follow me on this, okay? So let us make man in our image and in our likeness and let them have sovereignty. What's sovereignty? Sovereignty is what we say God has. God has the ability. He's sovereign. And a sovereign God, it doesn't matter what's going on. His will is going to come about. He's sovereign. He's a sovereign God. His will, will your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He is a sovereign God. God controls all things. So when we say that God is telling us that you were made in my image and I am giving you dominion, I'm giving you sovereignty. Are you catching this? I'm giving you sovereignty, which means this. When my body's sick, it doesn't matter what my condition is. The fact is I'm sick, but the truth is my present reality is I'm sick. But the truth is, is that based on the authority that I have, I'm healed. I might be addicted today, but I'm free tomorrow. My marriage is struggling right now, but it's going to be whole later. See, it's the ability to take control and recognize what's going on around me doesn't have to be. You've been given sovereignty. Come on, somebody. you got to grab a hold of this. It takes you out of the victim mentality and places you where I can control the things that are around me. Royal power. Royal power, I need you to understand, isn't, is different than just power. Power is dunamis. Authority is, is exousia. When you have the might and the right. <laughs> let, let me put it this way. I think. Say this. I think. No, I'm saying to myself. I think. You guys are good, though. Thank you. I think I could take Isaiah. Isaiah, stand up. I think I could take him. Come here. Okay? I think. Stay with me. I might be 47. How old are you? 10. Okay. I think physically my power my dunamis has the ability to beat him. Okay? But I don't have the exousia. I don't have the right to. Are you following me? We might have the power to do something, but we don't have the right to do, the authority to do something. That would be abuse. Are you following me? Or there's people that have the authority, but they don't have the power to make it happen. God says that you have royal power. You have the authority and you have the power to take authority over your situation. Thank you, Mijo. I want you, I should have hit you just because you're a Bronco fan. <laughs> I want you to check, take a look at 
when Queen Elizabeth wants something, she doesn't make suggestions. Whatever the queen declares, all the kingdom starts running to make it happen. Why? Because she has royal power. I need you to understand that God gave us dominion over all things. Listen, wait, don't clap right there. Hold on a second. He never gave us dominion over other human beings. That's right. He gave us dominion over environments, not over people. Dominion over environments, not over people. That's why what happens when people don't know what, how authority works, that's why that kid that holds up a gun at the liquor store, all of a sudden that 14-year-old kid feels power for the first time, feels dominion. Everyone's bowing down, everyone's cowering, he's holding the gun. He feels, for the first time, he feels what it's like to have dominion. Or that husband that is beating his wife, you know what, it's a twisted way of looking at it, but when she cowers and he's standing up, he feels for the first time what it's like to have dominion. In a twisted way. Are you following me? We were never to have dominion over another human being. That's why when you don't know the purpose of something, abuse is inevitable. So, so follow me on this, okay? You were given dominion and royal power. Royal power gives you your own kingdom. That in the environments that you're in, you have the ability to make declarations. And so when the environment is bad in your situation, you have the authority that God created you. Listen, this isn't Pastor Dan telling you this. This is from the word that you were created to have dominion. That you have the right and the might to make a declaration to your situation. And the same way that Queen Elizabeth speaks and everything comes into being, you have the ability to make a declaration and cause things in the supernatural to come in to change your natural. Good Lord. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. It's giving you kingdom. Let them have kingdom. See, I, I, let, let, me, let me break it down this way. Dominion is not your purpose. Dominion is your ability for your purpose. Dominion is to us what flight is to a bird. Dominion is to us what swimming is to a fish. So to have dominion, that's not our purpose. We're not just trying to reign. So we could say, my purpose is to reign. I am the reigner. <laughs> That's not what it's for. The dominion gives me the ability to multiply, to be fruitful, to subdue, and to fill the earth, and then reign over the earth, the surroundings that God has created. I'm going to take you deeper on this. Are you with me? Oh, come on. Are you with me this morning? I'm about to close. I'm about to land the plane, okay? Land in the plane here. Okay, first one. Okay. You ready to go? Sister, you can leave now if you want. If I'm holding you up from a dinner date or something like that. <laughs> oh, he is. You talk to your sons about this. <laughs> yeah, the mayor talked to you, or the, the governor. Genesis chapter 2, verse 4. Genesis 2, 4. Check this out. There's a principle here that's very deep, and I've never seen this before. 
And as I was reading this and as I was studying this through the, the book from Dr. Monroe about uh, In Pursuit of Purpose, this really just jumped out at me. And I want you to recognize this and, and take a look at this. This is powerful. Genesis chapter 2, starting with verse 4, says, This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the heavens and the earth, who made it? God did, okay? You didn't come from a monkey, right? Before any, of the plant, any, before any of the plants of the field was on the earth and before the herbs of the gar- field had grown, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth and there was no man to till the ground. Let, let, let me explain something. I always thought that when God created the heavens and the earth, the moment he spoke, all of a sudden plants were everywhere. Animals were everywhere, all over the earth. According to this, they weren't everywhere. They were just in the garden. Why? Why weren't there plants everywhere? Why wasn't there a garden? Notice what he says here. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth. Why? Because there was no man. Everyone say no man. To till the ground. The Lord then placed man in the Garden of Eden to tend it and watch over it. God gave Adam an assignment. I want you to recognize this principle this morning. God will not allow growth where there is no man to manage it. God will not allow growth where there is no man to manage it. You see, I, I, need, I need you to recognize why did God only develop a portion of the earth? Why was only the garden the only area that God developed? Why? It was because there was no man to dominate it. No man to take care of it. See, I need you to grab a hold of this this morning. If you have a home, whether you're renting or owning, and the lawn is growing, mow it. That's right. You show dominion over that lawn when you get out there and you cut it. If you're allowing weeds to grow all over the place, you know what? If you can't take care of what belongs to someone else, how do you expect to have your own? Drives me crazy. You want God to bless you, but you can't take care of the lawn in front of you. God, give me my own house. He's like, why? Look how you're treating this one. What God, he, he doesn't like overgrown things that aren't tended. That's why he placed Adam in the garden to tend it and to manage it. Well, you don't know the weeds I got in the backyard. Well, whose fault is that? Cut them. It's going to take a long time. Well, show dominion. You got royal power, baby. Go out there. Fire up the weed whacker. Take dominion. Got the front door falling off and you're just holding it up and putting wood up against it and so forth. They won't get in. Fix the door. But it's not mine where you're living there. Take it. Clean your room. You want your own place and you ain't got your room clean. Shame on you and you 23 years old. car looked like a garbage bin. You open up the door, you got McDonald's bags falling out all over the place. Get a tetanus shot before you sit in that car. (laughs) 
was the principle. God will not allow growth where there is no, one, no man there to manage it. Let, let, me, let me take you a bit farther on this, okay? I'm, just, I'm on a soapbox for a moment. Stay, stay with me. Some of y'all get a raise at work. Get blessed. Man, God bless me. I got a raise. Praise God. Get that $400 raise a month. You're like, glory to God, I'm, I'm moving up. So what's your idea? I'm going to go get a car. You go shopping for a car. And when you get to the dealership, you have in mind, I have 400 bucks more than I had before. You start looking at cars, payment's only going to be 475 You're like, that's only 70 Really, I'm only paying $75 for this car. Because I got $400 raise that came in. And so now you end up taking what was just given to you, spending $75 more a month on it as well. Not taking into account that you have insurance that is now going up. Taking into account that your registration is going to go up. Not taking into account that the, the maintenance on a new car is going to be more as well. And so now you're putting all that in there before you know it. Now you're not, that $400 raise has now put you $300 in the hole. Because you don't know how to manage it. And you keep praying, God, bless me. And he's like, no, why? Because there's no man to manage what I'm giving you. That's right. Amen. We, we got to take, we, we take some time, folks. You know what, my, my people, the, the Latin people, the people of color, all of us, and whether you're Samoan Tongue and whether you're black, even if you're a, a dark white man, uh, every one of us that is here right now, I want you to recognize it's time for us to break these cycles of financial poverty and recognize it's time to manage what God gave us. Adam and Eve were, cre- were given an assignment to care and to recreate Eden over the earth. You see, let, let, me, let me break this down as we close this morning. Worship team, if you'd help me. Wow. This kept on going again. Good Lord. See, I need you to recognize dominion's not your assignment, folks. It's your right. Dominion's not your assignment, it's your legal right. You have a right to rule your environment, not people, your environment. And so I need you to recognize to you right, recognize this morning right now is this. Adam and Eve were given the responsibility to manage, to care, and then to recreate it. You don't work a job. You work your assignment. Listen to me. Stop work looking for a job and start working your assignment wherever you're at. What's that mean, Pastor Dan? That means wherever job I go to, I am a carrier of the presence of God. And when I go into that presence, I have the ability, what God's original purpose for Adam and Eve was this. Adam and Eve had the garden that God placed them in. And he wanted them to raise a family train them, and then to send them out of the garden to recreate, replant Eden on another piece of ground. And then have them have a family and grow and then send them out and then go and establish Eden in another piece of ground. Are you following me? 
God didn't create, didn't uh, develop the whole world. He just did the garden so that man could go and take dominion. Your responsibility is to be a presence carrier, a carrier of Eden that has the seeds of growth in you. That when you walk into your Eden called work, or your Eden called school, or your Eden called home, or your Eden called your dorm room, when you walk in there, you bring, as soon as you walk in, it's like boom. You ever see that commercial where they're opening an Almond Joy and all of a sudden these palm trees start jumping out of everywhere? That a little candy bar can transform your environment into paradise. You know where they got that from? From the Word. That wherever you go, you bring the presence and you have the ability that wherever you set yourself up, boom, that hotel becomes the throne room of God. Becomes Eden. Your where is just as important as your what. Eden is to mankind what water is to a fish and dirt is to a plant. God's presence is our ocean, folks. God's presence is our ocean. You separate yourself from the presence of God. And those things that you walked in power in, all of a sudden begin to die. You get lost. That doesn't mean you stop being an electrician. doesn't mean that you stop working for the, for the county. It means that in those jobs, you bring Eden. You bring the presence. So when someone asks you, what's your purpose? My purpose is to be fruitful. Wherever you're at, you've got to be fruitful. Faithfulness without fruitfulness is futility. You have to be fruitful. God expected everything he created to reproduce. You've been coming here to this church for years and you haven't produced anything? In the Bible, Jesus tells a parable about a landowner that has a tree there that's not producing any fruit. The landowner wants to cut the tree down. Why? Because the tree is just taking up space. See, in God's kingdom, you don't just take up space. You don't just look good. You don't just look good with your leaves blowing and looking all fine and everything. You're created for a purpose. You're supposed to produce something. And when the landowner saw it, he wanted to cut the tree down. And the, the, the one that the gardener stopped him, the one with dominion stopped and said, wait, let me take care of it. So what's he do? He undigs up the roots, exposes the roots. And I love this part. He puts fertilizer on it. You know what fertilizer is? Crap. Go to Home Depot, you want fertilizer? They're going to give you, they're going to give you a bag of cow dung. Or chicken stuff because you put that on your garden there's something about crap that makes things grow 
Some of you right now are you're going through some crap in life. You know why? Because God is just digging out the roots of your life and saying, here, let me see what we can get. Let's see what we can get going on here. Come on. You're going through some struggle. You know what? And you're like, what's all this crap? God's like, I'm trying to get you to produce something. Trying to get you to be who I created you to be. And you're focusing in on the crap. And God said, I'm focusing in on the fruit. Why am I all over this? Why is crap all over me? Because God is trying to get something to grow. Bow your heads with me. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at www.cwcsj.org.